Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 262. Hey, my Richards, I'm Hayut, and I'm thrilled to be here with you today. When I asked my guest today, Dan Zavarotny, what would be his best advice to any entrepreneur that listened to us right now, he said, You just gotta go and try to sell to someone to see who wants your product or service. The goal here is to get them to put their credit card in. Always focus on credit. Until someone's putting a credit card down, they're not actually your customers. To me, he said, the signifier is, did you collect their cash? If you did, your product or service has value. And he is right. So many times we as entrepreneurs are so, so focused on preparing our product or service and trying to reach the highest level we can. And we forget that someone really needs to pay for that. I really enjoyed my interview with Dan. And I believe you're going to love it too. Dan Zavarotny is the co-founder of NutriSense, a metabolic health company that utilizes continuous glucose monitoring technology to provide real-time data to clients. He launched three months before COVID, and he has grown the company from an idea to over $150 million valuation in just 26 months and 120 employees. Previously, he worked as a management consultant for KPMG, where he consulted for three out of top five hospitals in the world. When Dan's not working, he loves to travel, and he has been to over 100 countries before the age of 30. Let's listen to Dan's story. Dan Zavarotny. What a pleasure to have you here. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I'm excited as well. And I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? Sure. So the way we started our company, and it's Nutrisense.io, was I was working in a healthcare consulting and I saw this trend over and over where we saw people spending – people, hospitals, insurance companies spending more money every single year uh, on healthcare, yet people getting sicker and sicker. And mm. most of the sickness came about from bad lifestyle decisions. And when I say bad lifestyle decisions, I mean poor diets, uh, not enough exercise, too much stress. And over time, this was causing a issue of heart disease diabetes, uh, Alzheimer's, all these things connected. And these are issues that came about in the Western world because of 
like I mentioned, lifestyle issues. So as I saw this happening over and over, I kept thinking to myself, something must be done around this. Mm. And I was in a healthcare conference in San Francisco, and I ran into one of my friends who was wearing his device called a continuous glucose monitor. It's mm-hmm. a device that tracks your glucose in real time, 24-7. And I asked him, why are you wearing this? Are you, are you type 1 diabetic? He said, no, I'm just doing to improve my health. And uh, he said, do you know anything about it? And I just so happened to both know professionally about it as well as personally uh, because my sister is type 1 diabetic. Okay. So I've seen this technology get better and better over the years. And so uh, he said, have you ever tried it one? I said, no, I haven't, but I should try one. So when I went back home, uh, back to Chicago where I'm based out of now, I went to my sister's, I put a device on, and it completely changed the way I looked at health. Um, and uh, when I say that, I mean, so the way this device works is it basically tells you your response to glucose and anything that happens to your body in real time. So whether you have a banana or chocolate or an exercise you take or you're under stress, it shows your body's response in real time. Um, so me and him basically said, this is a place where the world's heading. The ability for us to understand our own individuality through data and we said, let's start a company around it. Um, we basically launched in two weeks. Uh, I quit my job. <laughs> uh, wow. And uh, from then, we just started going, going, going. And since then, we've gone to over $150 million valuation wow. in about two and a half years. And we have about 120 full-time team members helping us build this vision of hardware, software, as well as coaching that helps people really understand their bioindividuality and how they can own their own health. So when they get a little bit older, they can have fulfilling lives with their kids, grandkids, um, instead of being, you know, unable to do that. Sounds fantastic. And tell me a bit about how did it all start? How did you start? What was your career path? Sure. So my career path's a little less exciting. Uh, my career path has come from uh, finance, corporate finance. Uh, when I was a little bit younger, I immigrated from Ukraine. Uh, my parents didn't have that much money. So when all my friends would go study abroad, I unfortunately didn't get study abroad. So I think as I finished college, I always wanted to go live abroad. And so when I got into finance, I basically would say, what jobs let me go live abroad or go work abroad? And so I would pick jobs specifically that were around, uh, around traveling, um, that I could do both career and travel. So I picked jobs in corporate finance that let me do live in France for a year, let me live in Colombia, that I did in healthcare consulting, would let me travel around the world as well. And I was able to get to over 100 countries wow. uh, by age of 30. Yep. Uh, and then I kind of said, okay, I think I got the travel bug out of the way now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I focused on career and I said, how do I get become the best employee possible? And I was doing healthcare consulting. I just basically said, let me double focus, triple, double, quadruple focus on this topic of how do you become really good at your career? Uh, and it's learning both the uh, hierarchical structure as well as the people area, the process, technology, governance, really looking at it holistically and understanding how do you improve and how do you make sure you can succeed in a corporate structure. I uh, did pretty well, got promoted a couple times. Uh, and as I realized quickly that there are fundamental shifts in the industry of healthcare that need to happen, yeah. and there's not enough uh, drive or change inside that need to happen, so that has to happen from external forces. So I started really looking at, like, what can I start? How can I help this industry? 
Uh, and this is where, as mentioned, I ran into my friend Alex, who I started his company with, who was a technology expert. He basically had the same idea of, hey, how do we shift this industry forward from outside? And uh, the one piece we were missing was an expert who's a health expert. And so we actually brought in a third person, Kara, uh, who's our head of nutrition, who's also running that. So we can both focus on the business, the software, as well as the human capital in this area to change behavior. Um, and really, that's been kind of the light that's been guiding us. And it's been very, very effective by just focusing on hiring the best people to join the company. And how, how did this happen? How do you make this change in uh, lifestyle, actually? <laughs> how do you help people to do that? Yeah, so what happens when you get this device called a continuous glucose monitor, uh, we ship it to you through the mail. Yeah. You put it on your arm, and uh, it sends a signal to your phone that tells you how your body's responding to certain impacts in your life. Yeah. And what you're required to do as a member of our program is actually track your nutrition, your stress, your fitness. And as you're tracking inside this app, we correlate that data to your glucose. And so we're able to start seeing trends of what's happening. Um, and then we also have expert dietitians who go through the app as well, look at that data with you, and give you feedback in real time. So what happens is, one is you can see what's unique about you. So we see this a lot where I can eat a banana, and it looks like I'm like unhealthy for two hours because I have this big spike in glucose. And then someone else eats a banana, there's no impact. But if I eat ice cream, I have no impact mm -hmm. and vice versa. So there's a lot of bio-individuality. This is based on age, sex. Uh, microbiome, genetics, even something as simple as pollution. Pollution actually even has an impact on your glucose levels. So by you tracking this and sure. us, where you've worn this device, we get that data in real time. Uh, uh, and so it's fascinating. And I mean, this is the reason people often talk about um, people always switching different diets. They go one day to keto, next day to go vegan and vegetarian, the pescatarian, because we hear and read different studies and journals and we start jumping around thinking that's going to help us. But with data, it's specifically to you. So it doesn't matter what studies say. It matters how you're impacted. And if you look at historically at studies, they always look at averages. But averages completely forget the people on the outskirts, right? And so averages are not the best way to look at data. You always want to look at individuals because we're so unique and there's so many factors going on with our health. And so this yeah. is – we call it data over dogma. It's much more impactful and better to make decisions based on your response. So that's number one. Number two is also the great thing about this is there is this behavior change that happens. If you think about historically, we use a scale uh, or they use their annual physical mm -hmm. blood work to figure out how they're doing. But it takes too much, you know, like that takes up too long of a loop. You might go to your doctor once a year. They say your cholesterol is high, your glucose is bad, and they tell you exercise. And then you might know a year later how you're doing. Versus with this, you eat it. 30 minutes later, you know how you're doing. And so that has a really quick loop that tells you exactly how to respond, and you can adjust. So it changes your behavior very, very quickly and very efficiently. Sounds very, very, very interesting. Then you are an entrepreneur yourself, and I would like to ask you, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that listening to us right now mainly regarding customer focus and customer approach, but it can be regarding any other topic as well. Sure. I have a couple things here. The first one is in every business, there's always two things that are most important. It's either build 
product, a service, an offering, or sell that product, service, and offering. And so when you're starting, mm -hmm. you must always say, who's doing one, who's doing a second? It's easy to get bogged down and say, oh, I'm going to focus on design. I'm going to focus on accounting. I'm going to focus on finance. In the grand scheme of things, when you're starting, someone needs to do those two functions incredibly well. So remember, no matter what you're doing, always focus on those two functions at the beginning. Those need to be the most important functions because it's much easier to do functions that we have more control over. Like I mentioned, like accounting. Oh, I'm doing accounting for six hours. But we're, but there's nothing to account mm -hmm. for if you have no customers. So that's right. number one. Uh, number two is you just got to go. You got to go and try to sell this to someone to see who wants it. I think it's uh, – very, it's sometimes people get lost and they start doing interview, customer interviews, customer research, um, and they just keep trying to convince and understand what people want. Sometimes you just got to just put it on, like, take your offering, just offer to people, get them to try it, and understand, like, will they pay for it? Uh, the problem with a lot of times mm -hmm. with, like, detailed customer interviews, you ask someone, like, would you pay for this? And they'll say, of course I would. But when you ask them to put their credit card down, people get a lot more... Uh, hesitant. Right. And the goal here is get them to put their credit card in. Like always focus on credit card in. And until someone's putting their credit card down, they're not actually your customer. And I think people forget that. They're like, oh, I've done 300 customer interviews. And people said they want XYZ and I'm going to go build XYZ. And I came back again. Oh, no, they want five more features. They want five more things. And then I go build those. And it, the people keep doing this loop where they keep trying to build things for people say they want. But until someone puts their credit card down, they're not truly your customer. And I think people forget that very often. Mm -hmm. And people always just – because it's 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 a little bit uncomfortable feeling, right, to someone say, put your credit card down. And I think it's also important to mention that people don't often know what they actually want. They have this idea, but they don't often know exactly what they want. But when they actually put their credit card down, you know they're willing to pay for it, right? And that, to me, the hmm. signifier is did you collect their cash if you did? Your product has value. If you're no matter if you build 500 features they wanted, but they're still not willing to put their credit card down, those features are mostly a waste. Those are nice to have, but why did you build those? Right. Very interesting. Hmm. You've got successes. You already started to tell us about it, and we will hear about it in a minute. But I would like to ask you to tell us about your biggest, most critical failure with customers. The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most? Yeah, that's a good question. I will say, I think, in a startup environment, the biggest advantage you have over established companies is your ability to go fast. You don't have the hierarchy. You don't have all the overhead. You have to make decisions with 500 people, you know, proven. So speed is the most important part. And the reason I say speed is the most important part, because this is how you win. And you need to be able to adjust very quickly. And when I look at this example, what is our biggest mistake is it's us listening to customers that are the loudest customers, but they might not be our main customers. It's that old saying that the squeakiest wheel gets the oil. And yeah. historically, the mistake we made was, you know, one customer would be very, very vocal. And they would say, I need A, B, C, D, and we go build those things. But that one customer might be one out of a thousand customers, and they might want certain things that we built for them, but they're literally one person. And so we're building for this one person, but we're neglecting the other 99% of the people. And so it's important to remember 
just because someone is very loud as a customer does not mean that is the person you should be building for uh, your product. And I think that's a mistake we made. And it sounds like it doesn't sound that bad, but if you actually think about it from a, you know, we're a software company from an engineering perspective, we're yeah. telling our engineers to build something and we're spending all that money on salaries, product development, uh, user experience for this one individual while these other 99% of people who may be less vocal and oftentimes they are, mm -hmm. they're the silent majority, we're basically neglecting them because every time we're building for this one individual, we're not building for those other ones. So the lesson here is always understand, is this the impact, is this going to have impact on the majority of people or one individual? Mm -hmm. You know, it's very, very critical because otherwise you'll spend way too much time and effort with very little impact. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, now I would like you to tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of something you did right about approaching your customers. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a good story here, actually. Uh, at least I think it's good. Hmm. I hope people like it, but I could be wrong, right? <laughs> I love good stories. Uh, <laughs> so when we first started, we had about 12 customers sign up. You know, first business, we just launched it. Um, one of the packages got lost by United States Post Office. And we emailed okay. the customer and said, hey, it looks like your package got lost um, in Arizona. Do you want us to ship you another one? And the person said, um, no, it's okay. I'm actually moving to France. So you could just refund my money to me. And remember, we were 12 customers. We're like, oh, boy, one of 12 people is going to leave? This is customer number seven. And this isn't good. We're like, no, no, we'll expedite it overnight. Don't worry, we'll get it to you. We, you know, customers matter. This every customer matters so much. And the customer said, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm fine. I don't have time for this. I'm really, really sorry. Uh, I'm moving up to France. And in a desperate move, I basically got on a flight to Paris from Chicago and flew to Paris to deliver this package to them in Paris when they moved there, uh, in an effort to wow. get this person to try the product because we we needed customers. We need to make sure that they give us feedback on a product because we need to reiterate. And so I handed the product to the person in, in person and in, uh, in France, they put it on, they loved it. Uh, and they became one of our biggest advocates and they meant they referred a lot of other customers from that. Mm. Uh, and what's interesting, fast, fast forward to about a year, year and a half later, we ended up hiring this customer to be our director of operations. Wow. And now this customer is one of our executive leaders in the organization and they end up building our, entire operation and customer success experience since then. And they brought on like 20 new people to the organization. And to this day, one of the biggest advocates we have. Amazing. And so. Amazing story. Yeah. You never know. You never know who's going to be the person that's going to be on the journey for longer than just, you know, that's short term as a customer. And in the end, you really think about it. Everyone is your customer. And whenever in regard to like whether you're hiring people, that's really, those are your customers. When you're hiring folks, those are your customers. When you're serving uh, your actual customers who you're selling the product to, again, those are your customers. When it's internally people are on your team, you know, your team members are your customers. Like, if you think about it back, everything we do in life is about people. It's always people, people, people. And so if you treat people well and you set expectations that meet reality, you will succeed. And it's important to remember that. Like everyone is your customer, and as long as you're willing to serve, you will succeed. Yeah. Hmm. I love that. As long as you're willing to serve, you will succeed. Love it. Yep. Um, then 
can you recommend the best, most effective technological or digital tool that's related to customer-focused marketing or sales? However, I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool in the endless list. Yeah. I'm looking for something that really works for you and might help other entrepreneurs as well. Yes, I mean, we use a lot of tools. But, you know, the one thing I have to tell people, so if you're selling online, the key to remember here is this. We take a lot of things for granted. You know, we go to the grocery store, we use a credit card, we pay for something. Or we buy something from Amazon or eBay. The thing we take for granted is these companies have brand recognition and people feel comfortable. They've done it for a very long time. So anytime you are a brand new company, the first thing you have to do is establish mm-hmm. trust. And no matter how amazing your product is, if you actually take a step back and you think about the human nature, their question is, is this real? Will they steal my credit card information? Can I trust these people? So you have to get the basics right. And I say the basics is you should be able to process credit cards very easily to the point people recognize the company you're using to process credit cards. So I always think that things like Stripe or Shopify or something of that nature is, mm-hmm. is critical uh, because you never want people to think, oh, hey, am I going to actually get the product? Do I trust people to send the product to me? And when you use a service like something like Stripe or, or Shopify or a similar one, you at least establish that credibility from day one and your customers aren't mm-hmm. worried about the basics of like, is this a scam or not? And it's very important. We take that for granted very often because we use these big websites all the time. But as a startup, you can't take things like that for granted. Only you've established a baseline, yeah. only after that can you then start focusing on more of the, how do you pitch the customer? How do you align with the customer value proposition? Hmm. Um, I love that. Thank you. You know, there are many factors that uh, affect one's success. Um, however, I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really helps us win. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I have noticed that mm-hmm. this is probably, it's a, it's like a double-edged sword where it's good and bad for me at the same time. I am an obsessive, obsessive mm-hmm. learner where I just pick a topic and I get obsessed with it to the point where people will say like, oh, like you seem a little bit geeky about it. Like, why do you care? Like, you know enough, it's enough. And I just dive into the weeds where it's, it, it looks like, you know, I am basically like almost like a little psychotic and obsession with that topic <laughs> where I will buy like 20 <laughs> books, watch every podcast, every YouTube video, talk to all the like world, let's try to get as many world leaders to show in that area to explain to me the topic deeper than is necessary. And so from one perspective, it's good because I can quickly go from zero to 80% knowledge very, very quickly. The baddest wow. sometimes, you know, it takes me, sometimes I just go in too many rabbit holes that are unnecessary. And, you know, there's people who spend 30 <laughs> years on a certain topic. Like it's better to just hire those people and bring them on your team uh, or mentor you and have right. them try, help you there. But one of the things I've discovered is, I mean, it doesn't, if you're really, really obsessed with learning, it doesn't take that much effort to go from zero to 80% knowledge base. Like someone could take, spend a year and get to 80%. It's when you go from 80 to the 99 percentile, that takes decades and decades and decades. But to get to right. a high, decent level, it doesn't take that much effort. And I think people are often so afraid of starting. It's because, number one, they don't know where to start. And number two is 
They just yeah. everyone always aims this 99 percentile, and you don't need to get there. You can get to 80 percentile and be good enough. And so, you know, I know that was a sidetrack, but this is where obsession learning really, I think, has given me opportunity to succeed. I came from healthcare consulting and finance, and when we started this company, uh, as I mentioned, my my colleague said, "Okay, it's either you build or you sell." And he's like, I'm an engineer, so I'm going to build. What are you going to do? And I said, well, I guess uh, mm. finance. He's like, no, 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 we don't need finance. We need sales. And I said, what's my budget? And he said, zero. And I asked him, well, how do I sell? <laughs> and he said, that's for you to figure out, right? You're, I'm building, you're selling. We could switch. You can build, you know, software engineering. And I said, I do not know software engineering. They said, oh, go figure out how to sell. And it started with simple mm. Google search, a couple conversations, understanding what are all the possible ways to sell online. And there was hundreds and hundreds of ways. And then slowly using deduction of, well, which ones take a long time to build and sell with? Which ones are shorter? You know, as an example, search engine optimization. You know, that's a great way to drive traffic to your website. But you have to write hundreds of blogs. And that could take a year or two years to really start seeing traffic on your website. Do you have one or two years to wait for your revenue to come through? Probably not. So, yes, you want to start doing that slowly, but it's not something you want to focus on. Uh, or let's say you want to do Facebook mm. advertisements or Google advertisements. Yeah. That gets you revenue very quickly. However, you need to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get ramped up to a good place. So I came across That's right. influencer marketing. That can get going right away. Mm. Uh, that requires more of connecting with individuals one-on-one. -on -one, but at least it starts getting the wheel, the flywheel going. And so you focus 90% on that. And while you do 90% on that, you start working on your search engine optimization. You start working on a little bit on Facebook ads, Google ads, other advertisements. And as you start effectively increasing your revenue, then you can start changing direction. Maybe influence marketing becomes a little less because it's less scalable. You start scaling other channels, but you've already got this pipeline of revenue coming in. Mm, love this very much. Thank you. Thank you. And um, my last question is my mountain question. Yep, yep. And as my listeners already know, I've been imagining this journey of entrepreneurship as climbing a mountain. You know, step after step after step, and then you're trying to reach the peak, and once you reach the peak, you're looking to climb another peak. Sometimes you need to go down in order to reach the peak. And at some point, I started to ask my guests, and that's what I'm asking you, whether you ever climbed a mountain or wished to climb a mountain, or do you have any relationships with mountains at all? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> there's a gentleman named Sir Edmund Hillary. He was one of the first, if not the first, I think he might have been the first person actually to climb Mount Everest. The first, he was the first. Climb Mount Everest. He was the first. They, uh, I love his quote. Yeah. They asked him in an interview afterwards, they said, why did you climb Mount Everest? And his answer was, because it was there, you know, and I, I love that, right? It's because it was there. Uh, and I think sometimes people ask me, like, why did you start this company? And I said, because there's an issue that there's a problem that we need to solve, which is that we are getting less healthy. And it makes no sense to me that we are the richest country. U.S. is the richest country in the world, yet it is one of the least healthy countries in the world simultaneously. And so that is yeah. the reason. Um, but I will tell you, I have a very unusual contrarian opinion on mountains and you know i think before it was such a prestige to climb mountains there was this endeavor you went upon and there was this risk of death and you know a lot of a lot of risk and now i, I feel like things have changed so mm -hmm. much where 
you can almost buy your way to the mountain, right? Where if you have enough money, you can have, you know, professionals come with you and they set up camp for you and they, you know, they give you high, you know, high quality food and they carry <laughs> your equipment for you or you just jogging next to them. It's still not an easy task. You still have to, to some extent, be healthy, uh, prepared for this. However, I feel like there's less romanticism about it now than it used to be because it's more so about how economically are you able to afford this rather than how much of an adventurer you are. And I think that this has mm-hmm. changed in the last couple of decades. Uh, it used to be not this extreme, but we're seeing this now where, you know, you go to the mountains sometimes, you see a lot of these guys who are, you know, investment bankers, right? <laughs> and venture capitalists and for, like me, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs there, former entrepreneurs who've succeeded and they're climbing, but they're sitting in these nice tents and, you know, and they're eating these beautiful home, you know, five-star meals instead of the old school where you're eating out of a can mm-hmm. and you're carrying your, own, carrying your own bag. Now they have people carrying their bags and their gear for them, right? Uh, so I, I look at mountains, unfortunately, as uh, less romantic as they used to be. Um, <laughs> but nevertheless, I do want to climb mountains. Uh, I think it's fascinating, but it's I, I think the ocean is really what I think the next facet that I think we need to explore. And I think that to me is really fascinating, like really getting into the depth of the ocean. I read somewhere recently that something like we've only seen like four or five percent of the actual ocean and there's just so much more to see and explore and there's all these wild fish that there and beasts that we've just can't even imagine that exist there. Hmm. That would be mountain story. It's a beautiful one. Then what would be the best way to connect with you for any of our listeners that would like to be in touch? Sure. So I think there's two ways. One is you guys can just add me on LinkedIn. And I think you can add my LinkedIn to the show notes. Uh, Dan Zavarotny. Of course. Anyone. I'm, I love people who reach out sure. to me directly. Um, just add me. Send me a message. Say you heard me on this podcast. And I'm happy to help in any way I can. I'm a big, big fan and supporter of entrepreneurs. I first went through Techstars entrepreneurship cohort. So they have a motto of give first. And I'm a big believer in that. We like to give first. So anyone who wants help in any way of any kind, please reach out to me. Second one is... If you want to learn about your health, go to Nutrisense.io. That's N-U-T-R-I-S-E-N-S-E.io. Um, don't have to purchase anything. We have a ton, just a ton of information on glucose control, on stress, optimization, uh, nutrition, everything that possible you could think of in regard to nutrition we, and health, we have on our website, and I highly recommend you read some of this stuff. It'll just help you think about your health very differently. You know, it's always important to mention, you know, life has changed uh, as we get older. And in the end, you realize that health is the most important part. It's not how much money you have. Mm. It's not how big your house is. It's not how many places you travel to. It's your health. Because without your health, it doesn't matter how smart you are. These things don't matter. You know, health is really a priority for everyone. Correct. And so I always encourage people. I always encourage everyone to go and figure that out. Um, and it's sometimes we take it for granted when we're younger. Only when we get older and we get some ailments do we say, oh boy, health matters, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right. And then I would like to thank you so much for this conversation. It really has been fascinating and I enjoyed it a lot. And I'm sure our listeners would love that. So thank you. Yeah, I really thank you for asking these questions. These are good. Um, my goal is to help as many entrepreneurs in the world not be afraid of starting something. I think that the only way our society moves forward is by having more entrepreneurs start. 
you know, oftentimes we we are afraid of failure, and I would be lying to say that that we don't fail. People fail. However, the more we start, the more we learn, the more we succeed as a society, and we want as many entrepreneurship as possible to start. So please, please start, try, reach out to me, reach out to other people, start your entrepreneurship journey as soon as you can so you can learn as soon as you can. Thank you for that, and take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.